Welcome to How to Talk to Kids About Anything with Dr. Robin Silverman, a podcast loaded with practical tips, powerful scripts, personal stories, and simple steps to make even the toughest conversations easier. So get ready to get the information you need to make the impact you want from someone you trust, your friend, parenting expert, Dr. Robin Silverman. Hello, and welcome to How to Talk to Kids About Anything, where we give you the tips, scripts, stories, and steps to make even the toughest conversations easier. I'm so honored to be your host, Dr. Robin Silverman, child and teen development specialist, author, and speaker, and parent of two great kids who give me the opportunity to love, learn, and grow every single day, whether I want to or not. Believe me, I get it. It's not always easy. And as you know by now, we're in this together and we have some wonderful people helping us along the way. Now, we live in a world where we can no longer separate the cyber life from real life for our kids. It's just life. Did you know that children between the ages of 5 and 16 spend an average of six and a half hours or more on screens per day? They live in an image-based culture where screens are everywhere. They can be accessed anytime, and they can be on the wall, in their hands, on their wrists, or even over their eyes. And in many cases, even young children know more about the screens that they're seeing, more about websites and social media and cell phone apps than their parents. We've talked about the online world in other podcast episodes, one with Devorah Heitner on tech milestones and digital readiness and Sue Chef about online shaming, as well as the advantages of getting kids online with Eric Scheninger and even more than that. Today, we are turning our attention to screen time and digital footprint with Dr. Susan Bartell. Dr. Susan Bartell is a nationally recognized parenting psychologist and author, supporting parents in raising happy and healthy kids in a stressful world. She's written the book, The Top 50 Questions Kids Ask, and you can find her on national TV and radio. She writes for U.S. News and World Report, along with me and several other fabulous experts I've had the pleasure of interviewing on this podcast, and she does a wide range of topics such as importance of raising grateful children and how to keep teens from turning smartphones into weapons. Dr. Bartell is here today to talk with us on monitoring your child's screen time and digital footprint. This topic is certainly timely. We talk about screen time often because it's an important topic and it's something that touches our children's lives every day. So thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Susan Bartell, on how to talk to kids about anything. Thank you for having me. I'm really happy to be here with you today. Yes, me too. So (laughs) (laughs) before we get into the meat of the matter, would you just take a moment to tell us a little bit about more about you, what you're passionate about, and why the topic of safe screens and kids. So I'm a psychologist with a private practice, and I do a lot of public speaking as well and and media, like you mentioned, but I also have three children. Mine are much bigger than yours. (laughs) Mine are 23, 21, and 19. Wow. You're in a different space. Yeah, totally different space, (laughs) but... For years now, I've been going through with them the navigation of dealing with social media, with screens, with their digital footprint, with helping to make sure that not only are they safe, but that they're really using screens in a way that's going to be healthy for them and not interfere with their schoolwork and their their real-life social life. And with my patients as well, I'm seeing an enormous – I work with a wide range of age kids – 
And I'm seeing a huge, very dramatic increase in young children who I believe have a true physiological addiction to screens, wow. particularly to video games. And so this topic has become for me in, in an enormous passion. And, it's, and I find it pretty alarming because as you said before, the screens aren't going away. Mm. They are a part of life, of our lives, of our kids' lives in particular, of the generations to come. So we have to understand and learn how to help our kids manage them. We can't say, sorry, you can't have it because mm-hmm. you really can't even function. You know, teachers now are putting homework online. Right. They're using right. Facebook to communicate with their high school and college students. So we as the adults have to learn ourselves to truly understand how all of this is impacting our kids and teach them how to manage it. That's great. And yes, really important. I mean, I find that we already have my kids who are in first and second grade, you know, the, we have teachers who are putting pictures online. They're, you know, they're communicating with their kid with kids online, even right. at a younger age. And uh, we have to know what we're doing and how to use it. So, right. you know, healthy kids have a lot to do in a regular day. They eat, they go to school, they exercise, they play, they do homework. They might spend some time with family outside, do sports, other activities. And yet, if it seems like many kids are finding so many hours to spend on screens. So how much screen time is really right for the different ages? So it's a, that's probably the most commonly asked question that I get. And the, if we look at the American Pediatric Association, they recommend no more than two hours mm-hmm. of total screen time for all kids. Now, I really think that for kids younger than, say, four years old, maybe even five, really they should have closer to zero screen mm. time. What I'm finding, though, and I'm sure you know, a lot of your, um, your audience is going to kind of be nodding, is that parents are giving little kids iPads, right. cell phones, in the car to keep them occupied, in a restaurant to keep them occupied. So... I see kids as young as a year and a half mm-hmm. who are who are on an iPad uh, regularly. Now, really, I think if you kind of have, have the stomach for it, you shouldn't be doing that. You should be finding other ways that are not a screen to keep your kids occupied. Starting at four or five, I think still two hours is too much, even though that's what's being sort of recommended as, as an okay amount or a maximum mm-hmm. amount of time. Um, the screen time now, if you think about that two hours, is for all screens. It's not just for video games or iPad time. It includes television. It includes any time you throw your cell phone to the back of the car to keep your kids from fighting with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, it includes every single screen, whether it's before bed and they're reading a book on that screen or if it's in the morning and they're watching a quick show on TV before school. I would say if you really count up those times, your kids are probably watching way, way more than two hours by the time they're in elementary school. So at an absolute maximum, it should be two hours for kids through elementary school, and it includes every single screen there is. So you have to think about the 30-minute TV show is already half an hour of that, if that's what they're watching. Or if they're watching two 30-minute TV shows, that's already an hour of it. And now you're adding into that something, you know, for 15 minutes on YouTube and, and something else on your phone when you're sitting in a doctor's office. You really need to be vigilant uh, about that. Now, when kids get older, let's say middle school, maybe even fifth grade, 
certainly middle school and, and older, it's much harder to monitor them mm -hmm. because actually they're doing schoolwork. Sometimes even older elementary school kids are doing schoolwork mm -hmm. on their computers and they're doing research online. And so it's hard for you as a parent to know, are they really doing the schoolwork or are they flipping back and forth between the schoolwork and you know YouTube or Netflix? Mm -hmm. Good point. So it's very hard. It's almost impossible. You know, kids are much slicker than parents are. Parents are telling me all the time that they thought their kids was working for three hours on a paper that was due, and only to find that what they were really doing was watching a movie on Netflix. Fascinating. <laughs> Fascinating. Yeah. So it's, it's. I think it's important to have some rules mm -hmm. to to limit that, so that when your kids are young, I would say through elementary school at least, the rule has to be that not only are they watching for no more than two hours recreationally, but they're doing it in a public location. So I don't like to see little kids in their bedroom with an iPad or a laptop with the door closed. Right. They need to be in public so you can really monitor what they're watching. When they get to middle school, you can let them be in their room with their laptop, but with the door open. Okay. So that was a battle I always had with my kids when they were younger. That they and I also didn't ever allow my kids to have TVs in their room. Mm -hmm. Even now, my mm -hmm. kids don't have TVs in their room. I told them they can have a TV if they want one when they go to college. Mm -hmm. And by the time they got to college, kids didn't even really want TV so much. They wanted just their laptops. But not having a TV keeps them in a public space. Also, if you let them have a TV in their room, then they're vanishing up to their room, and then you really aren't monitoring much of anything. Okay, and then just to clarify then, so even for kids who may just be looking at pictures online or they're reading their books online because so many of these kids are assigned books mm -hmm. online, you're uh, including that into screen time? Uh, if it's schoolwork, I'm mm -hmm. not including it. Okay. If it's actually schoolwork, no, then it's, then it's not social. Okay. I'm talking about two hours of social screen time. If they're doing anything having to do with school, that's completely different. Okay. Um, and there's nothing you can do about that. If they're assigned things to read online, then that's part of their homework time. Okay. Excellent. Although I would still suggest that they do that in a public place up through the end of, of elementary school. So okay. if they're reading for school, for school online as opposed to an actual book, I would say that should be in a public place so you can make sure they're not flipping back and forth between that and something else. Well, what are some of the risks then of too much screen time? I mean, you're touching on, you're touching on one, obviously, if they're um, alone, they might be flipping back and forth to something that they're not supposed right. to do. But what right. are some of the risks of too much screen time? So first of all, a major risk is that they'll find their way to websites that aren't safe for them. Mm -hmm. They'll find their way to chat boards. They'll find their way to social media. They'll find their way accidentally to pornography. Mm -hmm. Many, many years ago when, when my uh, middle school daughter, uh, my elementary school daughter, who's my middle child, was in, I think she was about eight or nine. She was doing a report, a school report on the White House. And my husband and I were actually both sitting in the computer room with her. She had to do online research. And... He he typed into his computer whitehouse.com, I believe it was back then. This was many years ago, so I have no idea what it is now. And it pulled up a, a, a hardcore pornography website. My gosh. Yeah, it was really – and thankfully, I spun her chair around as we saw it coming up, um, and she didn't see it. But Good catch. I think you really needed to type in whitehouse.org to get to the real White House websites. 
But it really sort of demonstrates that if you leave little kids alone, right. they could find themselves accidentally going somewhere where they can't unsee it. Once they've seen it, they can't unsee it. Right. I had a, I, like one of my patients recently, a, a, an elementary school kid, who was watching one of the things that kids do who are very into particular video games, say Minecraft, is they watch videos on YouTube that teach them how to play Minecraft. They right. will watch videos about the games they play. And this kid was watching a video that then encouraged him to click into another video, which he did, and that video was a video of an, an adult man who was very inappropriate and very creepy that this little kid was now watching talk about Minecraft sort of peripherally, but really about things that were inappropriate for oh, little goodness. kids. Um, and the parents had no idea. They thought he was just watching Minecraft right. videos. So right. this is the reason these types of things, which are unforeseen and unpredictable, why kids need to be monitored. Because once they see or hear something scary or inappropriate or sexual, they cannot unsee or unhear it. Right, right. So those are the, those are the main problems, right. not surprising. Thank you for that. I, I know that parents often struggle with the fact that screens are everywhere. I mean, we yeah. we can, of course, role model, you know, healthy screen use ourselves. I hope we are. And <laughs> we can try to limit some screen use at home. But these, these tips are kind of general. So you being an expert in this, how can we how can we deal with this, this really specifically? Can you give us some concrete specific tips on how to control our children's screen time? So number one, you need to really make sure you're paying attention to how long they're using the screen. Really be focused on that limit of two hours. Number two, when it comes to what they are viewing, you need to pay attention to the ratings, not only for, for TV, but also for video games and for anything else that they're doing online. Video games like TV have ratings, and you don't want to ignore those ratings because they will allow you, one, to limit how much, but also what your child is watching. Mm -hmm. So that's important, and, um, and and parents often just ignore them and think that they're, they're nothing, but in fact, they're, they're important, especially for younger children. Mm -hmm. um, do not allow screens at meals, under right. no exceptions. Kids shouldn't be watching TV at breakfast before school. They shouldn't be watching at dinner. The, that's when you should be having conversations because one of the another problem with, with so much screen time is kids are having the opportunity to avoid talking mm -hmm. because they're so engrossed in the screens and no one's really encouraging them to talk. So I hear parents always talking to me about how they never learn about their child's day. They never know what they're doing in school. Their kid doesn't want to talk to them. But then as I talk to them further, I really discover that that's because you're competing against the TV show that's on. Right. Or the iPad that's at the dinner table. So no kid is going to choose chatting with you about their day over a TV show. We see it in the car, too, you yes. know, going across town when the right. TVs are on in the car. Yeah, car. sure. 100%. Okay. Yes. So that's another, I mean, one, one of the places that I have always had my best conversations with my kids, right. especially as teenagers, was in the car. I on, agree with that. Absolutely. Yeah. So really, you just don't want to have that. Save. If you have a, a monitor in your car, save it for long yes, car trips. Yes, the long trips. trips after a certain amount of time you've been in the car, then right. yeah, I love that idea. Yeah, so that's, I think, important. 
Um, the other way to limit screen time is to have very strict rules that tell your child that all important activities have to come before screen time every single day. Mm -hmm. So for example, they have to finish their homework. They have to do all their activities and chores and take a shower. They have to do the things that are important and mandatory before you allow them any screen time at all. If you let them come home from school and they say, but I need to take a break, mm -hmm. and then you turn on a screen for them, it's very difficult to get them to turn it off. Agreed. So if, you, if you have a rule in place that says, we do not in this house ever turn on a screen before everything else is done, and that's just simply a rule that is not one you deviate mm -hmm. from, it'll become a lot easier. Um, it's okay for them to take a break when they come home from sure. school. But they don't have to watch TV. They can play outside. They can, you know, play a board game with you. There are many, many things that are much more productive to do that allow them to just sit and have a snack, chill a little bit, mm -hmm. that don't have to mean they, they jump onto a screen. My children would probably repeat to you what I often say, which is do what you have to do before you do what you want to do. Correct. And that's, exactly. that's absolutely yeah. one of our rules in our household. And I, I think that's yeah. really important. Yeah, absolutely. The, the other way um, to, to sort of limit screen time and to monitor it is there should be no screens in a child or a teenager's room. Mm -hmm. the young teenagers, you know, it's harder with older teenagers, but uh, past bedtime. And really, the screens should be done at least 45 minutes before bedtime because watching TV, watching an iPad, watching any screen interferes with sleep. Mm -hmm. um, what happens is, you know, the way people get tired, this applies to adults, by the way, as well. What, what happens at night, your body gets tired because your brain produces melatonin. Mm -hmm. Melatonin is a, is a hormone which you could in the drugstore, but it's a natural hormone that your body produces that starts to make your body feel tired and slows you down and gets you ready for bed. When you watch a screen, the lights from the screen interfere with your body producing melatonin because your brain thinks it's the light outside. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Right. So you need to shut down the screens for yourself as well if you have trouble sleeping. 45 minutes before bed so your body can start producing melatonin and then you get tired. It's fine to read a book, not not a screen, but an actual book or magazine if your kid wants to read before bed. Mm -hmm. A real book will make them tired. Um, so you, And then you want to make sure that the screens are gone because many times kids, even little kids, once their parents say goodnight to them, will jump right back on the phone or the, the you know iPad or whatever. So you need to take them out and dock them somewhere far away from the kid. Sometimes I have to tell parents, to lock them in a safe because the kids will sneak out of bed. They'll wake up in the middle of the night, sneak out of bed, go down to the kitchen, get their phone, bring it back upstairs. Right. And I, I know that uh, sometimes we've talked about with some other experts that when they have access, especially to phones, that can keep them up for a variety of different reasons. They want to find out what's happening with their friend. Oh, yeah. Somebody said something mean about this or that. And now it's 3 a.m. Yes. and yes. they're obsessing about it. Um, and, you know, then then they're not getting a good night's sleep and their next day is crushed because of something Correct. that happened at midnight or 2 a.m. Yeah. So, yeah, now you're talking really about teenagers, young mm -hmm. teenagers and 100 percent. Many, many kids are on social media or on group texts right. uh, until all hours of the night. The parents have no idea. The parents think they put them to sleep. Sometimes uh, teenagers are are. Um, 
talking, you know, video on a, you know, uh, video talking mm-hmm. online with their boyfriends until six o'clock in the morning. Oh, I have parents come in and tell me they found their child or their teenager asleep with the video app still open. Wow. <laughs> they literally, literally fell asleep talking to a friend or a boyfriend or a girlfriend or whatever. And yeah, they, they aren't sleeping. And, and the reason that you just suggested is, a, is another huge problem, which isn't only a problem at night, it's a problem all the time, which is the drama that can ensue on social media and in group texts can just wreck a kid's life. Mm-hmm. Right. Particularly with girls. But boys also, but much more so with girls. So that at night they do need a break from that. They just have to. You're going to have to just rip the phone from out of their hands. <laughs> So, you know, you bring up a, a good point about these teenagers, and I'm so I'm curious, at what age do you feel like social media is okay for kids and teens, and, and yeah. what rules do you feel are necessary to have around that? Okay, so social media has become an interesting and complicated topic. For the most part, the the sites themselves, like Instagram and, you know, Facebook and all these sites, use 13 as the minimum age. And I think that that's probably a good age. However, the critical mass of kids and parents are allowing kids onto social media before 13. So often what happens with kids who are say 11 and 12 is all their friends have Instagram, let's say, or Snapchat at 11 or 12. And so if you're the only one who says, I'm sorry, you can't have it till you're 13, your child is truly left out of important social decision-making that goes on online Mm -hmm. uh, in in all these apps. Mm -hmm. So to the extent that you can hold off as long as possible, I would say you should. To the extent that you really do feel like your kid is is really has to get online to be part of their social circle, Mm -hmm. I think you have to be realistic. But that doesn't mean it's a free-for-all. I think you do have to have rules. So, so number one, I think your child has to make you a full friend on every single social media account. Number two, they're not allowed to block you. So you know, on some, on some social media like Facebook, you can make someone a friend but block them from certain content. Oh, interesting. Yes, yeah. right. Yeah, kids are very good at that. Very good uh, at that, sure. Yeah, number three, they have to give you their passwords for all their accounts. They have to give you their passwords. And you have to be able to go on, you, and not only do you have to, you must go online sort of regularly while they're younger and really see what's going on. Okay, number four, you have to agree that you are not going to comment, you're not going to forward, you're not going to smiley face, you're not going to say anything. <laughs> you are simply going to lurk. You've got listeners going, wait, what? <laughs> no. You're not going to comment on how cute their friend looks in that outfit that she posted on Instagram. You're just listening and watching because (laughs) this is not your world. This is their world. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to force them to allow you into it, you're doing it as an observer. Similar to what happens when you have a group of kids in the back of your car and you're driving around your minivan and there's six or seven kids in the back of the car and if you just sit quietly and drive, You'll learn a lot of information. You mean you're not supposed to join in into in singing the Justin Bieber song? No, please say? don't. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that. Yeah, you can yeah, join maybe. in that. 
Maybe that's But if they're talking about their lives and you just become invisible, you will learn a lot Mm -hmm. about their lives in the back of the car. And the same is true for social media. If you are just a silent observer, you will learn a lot about your child's social media life. And in fact, um, this is true for texting as well. Your child, once they are old enough to get a, a cell phone, which is, of course, a screen, you need to make sure they give you any passwords that they have on their on their cell phones. Some kids lock their cell phones because they don't want their friends taking it and looking at their texts and all that. Because mm-hmm. so some kids are like that; they just they just look at each other's phones all the time. And some kids don't like that, so they lock their phone. But they have to give you the password to their phone. They may have to be reminded pretty regularly that you own their phone, that you pay for their phone and their data, and that you can take it away from them whenever you want. So they need to give you full access to it. And I would suggest that for young kids, even though I know this is controversial and I, I've had many conversations with parents about kids are entitled to privacy, I would suggest that kids who are brand new to a cell phone are not entitled to privacy. And you need to make sure that what they're texting, who they're texting with, what they're putting on social media is all very clear to you. That will change, of course, as they get older. You know, you can't necessarily take your 15-year-old's and your 18-year-old's cell phone, even if you still pay the bill and still own the phone, because they are at some point entitled to privacy, unless you really, really are worried. You know, um, I I gave a talk last night, for example, uh, to a group about drug abuse, and certainly kids, teenagers who are getting involved in drug abuse are, are often buying and selling drugs via cell phone. If that's something you're worried about or that your kid is lying to you, you, you can take their phone and you should and look what's going on. But with young kids, you need to do that regularly. I would say once a week or so, you should go through their texts, go through their social media, and make sure there's there's nothing going on that's alarming to you. Yeah, and isn't it? I mean, doesn't it make sense in some cases, or actually, I feel like in all cases, where if you're giving a phone to your your child and or your your preteen or teenager, and you're saying to them, "I am going to check right. and make sure you're being safe." So yeah. I'm, I want to be upfront with you. 100%. So that, you know, you're not sneaking around and doing it. Nope. I want to nope. be upfront with you. I am going to do this because nope. it is my job as your parent right. to keep you safe. So Correct. in that case, I I don't want to, I'm not checking in on you because I want to see who you like or, you know, you know, make sure that your friend is, um, you know, doing their homework. I don't, this is not what I'm doing. What I'm doing right. here is as your parent is my job to keep you safe and I'm going to check in on you. Right, exactly. Now, the, the two things that are interesting about that, and I, I agree with you 100%, you need to tell your child you can't do it sneakily mm-hmm. because that's going to get in, interfere with your relationship in terms of having an honest and open relationship with them, which you don't want to do. Right. You have to be open about it. The two things I will say about that, though, are, the one interesting one is that kids forget. They just forget that you said that to them. And so if you do say, you know, I was looking at your cell phone and I noticed that you're in the middle of a huge fight with your best friend, um, they will still come back at you as violating their privacy. Mm-hmm. Just They just forget that you said that you were going to check their phone. The other thing that happens, which is a little more of a problem, is that when they're having really um, anything really bad, they often just delete the texts. Right. As they go, they just delete, delete, delete regularly because they know their parents are checking. So it's not a, it's not. I guess what I, what I sort of want parents to hear is that this is not a fail-safe method for making sure your kid is safe and not doing anything inappropriate. But it is one aspect of what you can do. You need to do a lot of other 
vigilance and observations and paying attention. But this is one aspect that you should, you know, regularly check young teenagers' um, phones. Okay. Okay. So, you know, you and I have had a conversation about this before, but I really think it's something that stands uh, repeating and certainly getting it out there. Can you tell us what is a digital footprint and why does it matter to my child, to your child, to everyone's children who is listening on the on this call right now? Yeah. So your digital footprint is what you look like online. If someone were to Google your name, let's say, what would come up about you? That is your digital footprint. And what's important about it is that it lasts forever. Wow, yes, right. Now, even if you delete something, if someone else has already put it onto their Facebook or forwarded it or you know, taken a picture of it and, and sent it somewhere else, it's there forever and ever and ever. Right. It's very, very difficult to get rid of something that you put online. It's even difficult, for example, you know, uh, kids use Snapchat now and they love Snapchat because everything evaporates in 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. The problem is that it doesn't really evaporate in 10 seconds because if you send a Snapchat of your naked self mm-hmm. to your boyfriend mm-hmm. and he takes a screenshot of that and he sends it to his friends, it doesn't matter that the actual Snapchat is gone. The picture lives forever. So your digital footprint is what you look like online. So I just gave you one example of how you need to explain to your kids that everything they do online, even if it's something that they think is safe, is not really safe. So you would say, you would basically say those words to your child when they're starting to use social media about this digital footprint. And continue to say them because teenagers don't, you know, teenagers' brains are not fully developed. The part of their brain that is not developed until they are about 26 is their prefrontal cortex. Mm-hmm. That is the part of the brain that is responsible for good decision making. So just think about that. That's why teenagers drive drunk and make bad decisions and do things that are going to get them into trouble because they do not know how to make good decisions biologically. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you have to continuously right. be vigilant about what your kids are doing. So for example, There are websites in local communities all over the country where kids take pictures of them, their friends, drunk, stoned, inappropriate sexual positions, and they post them on these websites. And then those are are readily available for anyone to see. Mm -hmm. So if you get drunk and your friend takes a picture and your friend's not a very nice friend and puts you wasted on that website. Or they think it's funny. They think it's funny and it's part of the culture. The colleges now are hiring people, some of the colleges are hiring people to check out kids' digital footprints Mm -hmm. before they admit them to a college. Because that's their reputation. Exactly. They want to see what kind of a kid it is, especially Mm -hmm. smaller schools where every single admission is important to them. Mm -hmm. I I have had a couple of experiences where kids have not been admitted to a college they should have been because... An admissions officer or intern or whoever is in charge of that has found information online mm. that has been inappropriate. One one time I heard of a kid who didn't get into a college because he tweeted negative things about the college. Mm. 
Um, and, you know, all these other examples. It also lives even longer than college in that jobs look at your online right. your online activity to see what it looks like. And you know what? It's not only what's on your your Facebook, let's say, it's on what someone on what someone posts about you on their Facebook or, or their social media. Um, a young adult told me a, a few months ago who went on a job interview and at the end of the job interview, the inter person who was interviewing them said to them, pull up your Facebook right now. And the kid had no choice but to pull up their Facebook. And there were a couple of inappropriate pictures of them, you know, out partying with their friends mm. in college. Uh, so it's important. Yeah, it's important for parents to talk to their little kids and big kids about what they're doing online and how it looks. Uh, comments that they're making. When, uh, when my son, who's now 23, was in middle school, I think. He, he's a huge uh, New York Rangers hockey fan. Mm -hmm. And so I guess the Rangers had lost the game and he was, you know, pissed off with one of the players. And he went on Facebook. Which I, was, I don't remember exactly. He went on social media and he made some comments about, you know, I would kill this player if mm -hmm. he, you know, he didn't mean anything by it, obviously. But my sister-in-law called me and she said, you know, I don't think that you should let him leave that comment up there. It's not, right. you know, it's not nice. It has the word kill in it. Mm -hmm. So we made him take it down. She was 100% right. She happens right. to be a teacher. She was 100% right. He was upset that we would think that he would mean something like that, but we had to explain to him that it's, it doesn't matter what you meant. It's how it might be perceived by somebody else. And not everybody's your parent who knows you. Exactly. Exactly. And so he took it down, of course. Mm -hmm. And I think it was a good lesson for him. Um, you know, and not, it's not only what, you know, things like that, but certainly it's kids in college who are, are doing all these things that could get them in trouble. Um, another kid I had heard of got into trouble in college because he had put something on his Instagram that appeared to be racist. Mm. And he got kicked out of a particular community that he was in, even though he argued that it wasn't racist, but someone found this old post that he had posted on Instagram, and he, it really got him in a lot of trouble. You know, I remember one of our you know teens that we had mentored was up online. Uh, she had There was a picture posted of her next to somebody who was holding a beer. And yes. she's a teenager. And I, you know, we, we contacted her ourselves and said, you've got to get that off of your page because right. even though you're not holding it, you're a part of a sports team. They can kick yeah. you off of that sports team. Colleges right. will be looking at you in a couple of years. And I have yeah. to admit myself that, you know, when we're looking at babysitters for my kids, like we're yeah. up online, absolutely yeah. looking at who this person is and is there any information out there about this person already? Because we certainly don't want uh, to have somebody in our home or, you know, working with us who right. might be putting things out there that we find really inappropriate. So, 100%. Yeah. you know, as an employer, yeah. we certainly were using it as well. Yeah, yeah. So it's this it's important. Is, it's very important for kids to really be educated and to understand that it really lasts forever. This this aspect of their life, you know, it's it's different than how it used to be. That that your digital footprint is with you for the rest of your life. So if a, a your child is sitting in front of you and you know they 
maybe you know had been at their friend's house and they had been doing some things you know taking pictures and you know they were having a great time they put stuff online you find out that it's inappropriate or something that you think doesn't show that dear child in the best light you sat them down and and talked to them what are the words that you would say what would you say specifically to your child if your child puts something online that you think is inappropriate, first of all, you need to sh- you need to pull up the picture. Let's mm-hmm. say that you think is inappropriate because they're dressed too scantily, or it's a mm-hmm. position that you feel is inappropriate. You need to show them with the picture in front of both of you why you think. You know what? I really don't like what you're wearing in this picture. Even though in real life it might be okay that you were dressing up. You know, you and your friend were in your cheerleader uniforms mm-hmm. online to other people, especially people that may not know you. It might look slutty. Mm -hmm. I think you have to use words that the kids understand, Mm -hmm. that they can resonate with. And don't be afraid to use powerful words so that they they can understand that someone might see it in a very different way to them. Mm -hmm. The other thing you need to say is let's make some rules Mm -hmm. for what you're allowed to put online and what you aren't. You're not allowed to put any pictures online where you're not fully clothed, where Mm -hmm. any part of your body is showing other than, you know, your arms and legs in an appropriate way. You're not allowed to put pictures online that show you, you know, lying in a bed. Mm-hmm. You're not allowed to put pictures online of yourself in a bathing suit unless it's, you know, approved by us. We're on a family vacation. Um, you need to make rules that you feel comfortable with, for example, and then share them with your child and make sure your child really understands them. Mm-hmm. You're not allowed to post pictures of yourself anywhere near alcohol, mm-hmm. even if you're in someone else's house and they, they're okay with it and their parents are okay with it. That you need to make some rules. The other, the other thing that comes up is often other people post the pictures. Right. So it might not be your child that posted it. It might be their friend that posted it. It's not, you can't take it down if you didn't post it. There are two things you can do. The one you could, you could request not to be tagged in it so mm-hmm. that someone searching won't find you because you're not tagged. Your name's not tagged in it. You could tell that to your child. Or you need to get your, get your kids to start to feel comfortable asking their friend to take down a picture of them that they, that they don't like. Right. Oh, and blaming you. Blame you. You can blame you. Blame you. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, my mom's going to kill me. You, you yeah. have to take it down. My mom said she'll kill me. Okay. Perfect. This is, I mean, and I'm totally fine with that. With owning. Yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. Your kids have to become comfortable, though, owning that aspect of their lives, recognizing that they do need to exert some control over what about them is put up online and that they don't just have to allow their friends to uh, post anything that they want. They can tell somebody to take that down. I don't like it. Well, they're creating Uh, a reputation and that's part of what we need to impart to our children that you have to be in charge of your reputation and any single picture or uh, message that somebody else puts up there about you is adding to your, as you say, their digital footprint. Correct. You know, it's hard sometimes because kids don't really get that. They don't really look that far into the future at the impact of a type of a reputation. Um, So sometimes you just have to make it a rule. Yes. You know, sometimes you as the parent just have to say, this is what you're allowed to do and this is what you're not allowed to do. And if your child, if your friend won't take that picture down, I'm calling their mom and telling their mom to take it down. And then you're going to be embarrassed. Right. So you talk to your friend. I want that picture down by the end of the day. Yes. I was interviewing someone else and they said, sometimes they're not going to understand this. They're not going yeah. to understand what you're talking about or why it's right. important. And you just say, you'll thank me in the future. And here's what's happening. Right. Right. I think that's exactly right. I, and I think that you do, uh, 
you do have to do that. Sometimes you just have to use the parenting card, mm-hmm. you know? So this is top tip time. If okay. somebody was to listen to this podcast, what do you think is the top tip, the top takeaway that you would want them to get from listening to this podcast? I think the top takeaway is that you have to monitor and be vigilant about what your child is doing online. Because once they have seen it, they cannot unsee it. And Very good point. Yeah, I very think good that's point. the most important thing is mm-hmm. that you need to be vigilant. You need to be in there with them. You can't just assume that what they're doing is innocent. Right. Or that, you know, oh, well, I don't know how to use that app. That yeah. Can't, that, can't, that can't be the thing anymore. Right. That can't be the roadblock. Correct. Okay. Excellent. Now, tell us if somebody wanted to learn more information about you, give us the resource of the week. Where can they go to read more, to find out more? and to get more information about you and all that you do? Uh, my website is the best place. It's www.drsusanbartell.com. D-R-S-U-S-A-N-B-A-R-T-E-L-L.com. Awesome. Everything's there and contact information is there. Yeah, anything they would need. Well, this has been extremely informative. I mean, for me, you know, my kids are younger and I know a lot of our listeners, some of your kids may be younger, but it's going to sneak up before you know it. And uh, it's going to be time that they're going to have a phone or they're going to be in a situation where they need to say, I I don't want to look at that. I don't want to see that. Or I have rules around that and I'm not allowed. Um, So I think it's really important for everyone to hear your tips and what you have to say right now and you were even talking about in the beginning of this call let's not forget that people are giving screens to really young children that's the thing i don't even think your kids are too young you know i had a a kid who was eight who went over to a friend's house um the two of them snuck into the dad's office you know no one was watching and they went on the dad's computer and were looking at porn oh right right i don't even think that you know that six and eight is too young to be teaching your kids and to oh, be vigilant. I think, that, I think that it's happening at much younger ages, especially kids who have older siblings. Mm-hmm. And because parents are giving kids um, iPads and, and whatnot just to keep them occupied. So right. I think that starting very young, certainly by elementary school, you need to be really tuning into what your kids are doing online. Absolutely. You know, once you send your kid to elementary school, they're on a bus with older kids. They're That's in the right. hallways with older kids. Their friends have older siblings. And they could easily be exposed to things that are not appropriate. They certainly can. And honestly, it's it's already happened in our world where yeah. you know, our kids are reporting certain things that are being shown on the bus or, you know, this mm-hmm. one's playing right. with this game. And in, in our case, it was, you know, a violent game. But um, and that was mm-hmm. worth a conversation rather than a, a sexual game. But yeah. uh, it's still happening. And we still have to talk about rules around it. And my kids are going to other people's houses. Correct. And, you know, they Correct. may have different rules about screens. Yeah. And perhaps they leave the kids alone. And, you know, my, my child knows uh, that when she goes to somebody else's house that playdates are really supposed to be more about 
playing rather than watching screens. And if they're watching a movie, it would have to be an age appropriate movie. Right. Uh, so right. I think these are all important uh, tips for any age group. And as we're getting into uh, the higher ages where they're dealing more with Snapchat and, and cell phones and other websites uh, and social media sites, you know, your information certainly um, is something for people to think about because now that they're starting to build that digital footprint print and they need to be aware that even the judgment they had at 12 could color somebody else's judgment of them at 20. Exactly. Well, yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. All right. Well, Dr. Susan Bartell, thank you so very much for joining us today. You provided such important, really, really interesting information that no doubt every single person will use. I love what you said about the digital footprint. I love what you said about really making sure that we're monitoring what our kids are doing and watching and creating rules, even when our kids may not truly understand the reasons behind it. So thank you so very much. Uh, for coming on our show today. Well, it was a pleasure being here. It was great talking to you. I, you know, very happy to be able to share all the information with you. Great exchange. Oh, awesome. Well, many thank yous to you. And I've got my takeaways and sweet friends. I hope that you have yours. Why don't we share them? Come up on Facebook. Let's go to facebook.com slash Dr. Robin Silverman, or let's chat about it at drrobinsilverman.com or twitter.com slash Dr. Robin. And if you love this podcast, you know how much great information was on this podcast. Would you kindly go up to iTunes and rate it so others can learn about Dr. Susan Bartell and all the amazing skills and tips and takeaways that she's provided today. I really, really appreciate that rating and for your feedback. That's all the time we have for today. My fellow parents and leaders and educators, thank you so much for tuning in to How to Talk to Kids About Anything. For more information on books, articles, speaking engagements, or curriculum, please visit drrobinsilverman.com. I look forward to weathering the storms and enjoying the sunny side of life together. And please remember... You've got this. Even on days where you fall short, you make mistakes, you feel like you don't know what you're doing. Gosh, don't we all have those days? You've got this. You're here. You're getting the information you need. You didn't do it right the first time. Never forget, there's always tomorrow. Parenting is the ultimate do-over. I see you. I'm right there with you. And as there are moments when we all doubt our know-how, our choices, and our sweet, sweet sanity, please know that you are 10 times the parent you think you are. Until next time, this is Dr. Robin Silverman with How to Talk to Kids About Anything. Please tune in again and keep connecting through conversation. See you next week. You've been listening to How to Talk to Kids About Anything with Dr. Robin Silverman. For more information on books, articles, speaking engagements, or curriculum, please visit drrobinsilverman.com.